Today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, Southwest will offer a record number of flights in 2024 and has already extended its schedule into August. Plus, a federal court judge in Australia rules against Carnival Cruise Lines regarding a COVID cruise which cost over two dozen people their lives. Those stories next in the travel news. Have you ever pre-tipped in a restaurant only to find that the service on your to-go or delivery order wasn't up to par? Mark tackles that topic and relates a widely successful con operation he witnessed in the Atlanta airport. Coming up in our Smarter Traveler segment at 1120. I'm joining you from Selma, Alabama, as I complete a most remarkable journey with 22 sports leisure travelers. At 1135, we'll talk about our pilgrimage to Plains to honor Jimmy Carter and Rosa Parks and a walk on a historic bridge here in Selma. And at 11.55, our odds and ends segment reviews a mid-range Marriott chain, Aloft Hotels. All that today from Sacramento and Alabama with the Travel Guys. On the road again, Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Tom Romano and Mark Hoffman with you. Thanks for coming along. I'm in the usual spot here in my little home studio. And Mark uh, is in a, had been on a very, very unique trip with uh, Sports Leisure Vacation Travelers and is coming to us live today from uh, Selma, Alabama. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. This has indeed been a most unique journey. We're going to talk about it um, after the news at the bottom of the hour. We've been on uh, kind of a civil rights trip here, honoring former President Jimmy Carter, uh, but with a visit to Plains and to his presidential library. And now we've worked our way into Alabama. We've visited the Tuskegee Airmen's National Park Unit um, here, which was completely fascinating for those of you who don't know the story of the black airmen from from World War II, mm-hmm. um, Google it. It's really a fascinating story. And then in Montgomery, uh, we saw the Rosa Parks Museum. Anyway, we'll talk all about that um, at about 11.35 this morning. All right. By the way, you mentioned Jimmy Carter and his wife. And earlier today, you mentioned that most people mispronounce her first name. Yes, yes, we learned. Everybody says Rosalind Carter. Not correct. It's <laughs> Rosalind Carter. Well, all right. Well, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Make you a smarter traveler and uh, educate you a little bit here by accident on the Travel Guys. And at the top of every Travel Guys radio program, we do our best to bring you up to date on the travel news. And with today's travel news, as always, uh, here's Mark. Indeed. Welcome to the travel news. Alaska Airlines has announced that they have, they're going to fly this summer from Anchorage to New York City. It will be to Kennedy Airport. It'll be their longest flight, 3,386 miles. Also, they're going to offer summer ser- nonstop service from Anchorage to San Diego. 
One has to wonder when Sacramento might make that list. Mm -hmm. Carnival Cruise Lines has been found negligent over a cruise that led to an early COVID outbreak. This is really, I think, a story that isn't getting as much attention as it should. Um, A cruise operator that failed to cancel a voyage from Sydney that led to a major COVID-19 outbreak was ruled negligent in its duty of care to passengers in an Australian Act class action case on Wednesday. The Ruby Princess Ocean Liner left Sydney on March 8, 2020, with 2,600 passengers aboard for a 13-day cruise to New Zealand, but came back to Australia 11 days later because Australia's borders were closing. COVID-19 had spread to 663 passengers. Do the math, that's about one out of four on the ship. And 28 people who were on the cruise died. Uh, The federal judge at court justice ruled that Carnival had been negligent as defined by Australian consumer law by allowing the cruise to depart in the early months of the pandemic. Here is the kicker, though. Um, Carnival had explained, failed to explain why it offered free cancellation for all cruises worldwide, leaving starting March the 9th, the day after this particular cruise departed. And it suspended all cruising four days later on March the 13th. So Carnival made the decision to send this boat out the day before it offered everybody who had a cruise free cancellation and four days later suspended cruising and over 20 people lost their lives on the cruise. So I guess I'm not surprised. I I guess I'm relieved that the Australian court has found that uh, Carnival is going to be liable here. I'm going to suspect that with 26 people dead and you have to figure that of the other 600 that got COVID on the cruise, that uh, some of those people are probably going to have, it was a class action suit, uh, Carnival's going to be out a few dollars here, I would guess. I would think really so, a, yeah. Yeah, um, really, really uh, not a good situation. And like I said, it didn't, kind of rolled under the radar, it looks like, on most travel outlets this week. Live Nation, we call ourselves the travel and entertainment guys, Live Nation Entertainment, which is the parent company of Ticketmaster has pushed back against the Minnesota senator's call to expand its rollout of more transparent ticket costs. Amy Klobuchar uh, from Minnesota uh, came out against Live Nation earlier this year and said, look, these it's the same thing as the resort fees and the other stuff we talk about on this program. They said, look, um, people should should know when they log on what the real ticket price is going to be on the last screen. Uh, Live Nation pledged in mid-June to show customers the total cost from the start of their online ticket searches beginning in September for events at Live Nation-operated venues. However, many of their concerts are not at Live Nation-operated venues, so those concerts have continued to charge junk fees and price in a manner where you don't know what you're going to actually have to pay until you get to that last screen. So Live Nation criticized the senator because they said, oh, well, you know, we did our best and and we are fulfilling our promise. It's just that, you know, there was this asterisk that we forgot to mention back in June and we really can't do it for all of our tickets yet. But, you know, we'll get around to it eventually. This is another example of these guys are dodging. They know that the time is coming when they're going to have to tell people what the ticket price is up front, so they're delaying it as long as they can to keep charging people bogus fees. So if you're buying from Live Nation or Ticketmaster, know that no matter what they said in June, uh, it may not be true in October. 
Hilton has reported really strong revenue growth in the third quarter. Uh, the company earned, earned record revenue. Uh, their revenue increased by almost 7% compared to last year. Keep in mind last year that hotel rates went up astronomically. So the fact that Hilton has still increased their revenue by another 7% this year when hotels were pretty full last year indicates that they're still being able to push rate pretty strongly. Southwest Airlines has, has extended their flight schedule all the way up to August 4th of 2024. Most airlines announced flights 11 months in advance. Southwest traditionally has been somewhere in the six-month category. But do the math, they're now up to 10 months in advance. So if you're planning on traveling to, on Southwest next summer, up until August the 4th, you can book that trip now as opposed to having to wait several months for that date to open up. Southwest also announced that their published schedule has grown to an all-time high 4,500-plus departures in this particular press release. <clears throat> JetBlue has asked the U.S. government to limit KLM flights. We've reported on this program the last couple of weeks that uh, Amsterdam Schiphol Airport is raising fees and reducing the number of flights into Amsterdam. You see, the Dutch people are really concerned about the warming of the planet, and they've decided to try to do something about it, even if it costs them visitors and money. JetBlue Airways, which just began transatlantic service to Amsterdam last year, is taking preemptive retaliatory measures. JetBlue has asked the Department of Transportation to ban KLM from JFK Airport if the Dutch government decides to curb the number of takeoffs and landings at Schiphol. So JetBlue is going to act like the people at JetBlue are going to act like small children because the Dutch are trying to do something good for the planet. Delta Airlines has canceled more flights into Israel amid the ongoing conflict there. They've announced that flights have been canceled up and through November the 15th with sales of those flights to, uh, suspended. If you are thinking of traveling anywhere to the Middle East and you haven't already, you've got a, a paid ticket and you haven't already checked on your flight, I would strongly suggest that this would be a good time to check on it. Most airlines are canceling in groups. So a week or two weeks at a time um, is what you're going to see. So if you're more than a few weeks out and you want to get out of your ticket, um, depending on which airline that you're with, you may be able to get out and get a travel credit or you may have to wait and see until the flight is actually canceled. Again, if you have a flight scheduled, my suggestion is that you check on it now and find out what the rules are so that uh, if things keep keep being a little agitated there in the Middle East, that you will have a way you, you will know where you stand with your ticket. And that is your travel news for today. And we are the Travel Guys, Mark and Tom, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Remember now, you can follow along at TravelGuysRadio.com. All right, Mark, let's, uh, let's dig into it. Let's uh, talk about pre-tipped. You know, that, that, that's it. Yeah, yeah. that situation where you, you, you call and you place an order either on your smart device or sometimes actually on the phone, whatever, and you, you decide, to, you know, you're going to drop the tip right in there to, to begin with. And well, yeah, it's so, it, it, it's so simple and sure. convenient. Yes. And, you know, it's like you're, you're at a restaurant and you've placed your order. And now they turn the screen around to you and it says, you know, how much would you like to tip? 15%, 18%, 20%, more than that? And, you know, uh, nothing has happened yet. 
your your food hasn't come to you. You don't have any idea if the no mustard on your burger actually is going to happen or your well-done french fries or whatever it is that you've ordered that just is a little different and that you're hoping will come out right. You don't have any idea if that's going to come out well. And if it doesn't, you've already tipped the people. So I ask you, Mr. Romano, in a situation like that, what the heck do you do? Well, you know, uh, I think, and you'll probably agree, uh, you're uh, SOL. Sorry, out of luck. I mean, you've already yeah. made, you've already made that decision. Uh, I don't know. Is there? What would you do? And what is what is the what are the options? Are there any? Well, I think here's the option now um, that I'm going to go with. I've had this twice happen to me twice in the last month. And so I'm just not going to pre-tip anymore. If I order something and DoorDash or Uber Eats delivers it, there's not anything wrong with giving the person who delivers it a couple, three bucks when they deliver it promptly. And, you know, they do a good job. Or if I'm in the restaurant and, um, you know, my order is delivered to me uh, promptly and stuff, why then I, I, I can you can always tip. There's no rule that says you have to tip when that screen is turned around and is facing you. Uh, you can tip anytime you want to. I remind people that the word tips is an acronym for the words to ensure prompt service. So um, a tip shouldn't be automatic. I- I'm sorry, but to me, uh, a tip isn't automatic. And you, you, you have to earn that through providing good service. And I'm just tired of situations where I'm asked to tip before the service is performed, I order a pizza on the phone or on on an app, and it asks me how much I want to tip. Well, then I get to the store, and they say, well, you know, I'm sorry, we told your pizza would be ready in 15 minutes, but it won't be ready for another 30 minutes. Or you ordered it with no anchovies, and you take the pizza home, and you open up the pizza thinking that, wow, I'm starving to death, and I'm home with my pizza now, and there's the dead fish laying all over the place. <laughs> so... You know, and it, it and you went ahead, you already tipped the person for it. And now everybody's been in this situation. You've taken the food home. Now you're already home. Now you would have to get in your automobile and go back to the place, which might be anywhere from two to 20 minutes away from you. And you're like, the heck with it. So, you know, you belly up to the bar and you put up with whatever it is that you've got and you, you tough your way through it. But all I'm just saying is that this situation where it's bad enough uh, the tipping is completely out of control anyway. But, you know, there are people, you know, we, we did a rant on this program about housekeeping a few weeks ago and um, about how housekeeping was going away at hotels. And I got some negative comments from people who said, hey, you know, lighten up on housekeepers. Um, it had nothing to do with the housekeepers. It has to do with the hotels. Housekeepers are the hardest working people in the whole damn tourism industry. And they clean toilets and stuff every single day. So I I am a person who is a big advocate of tipping housekeepers. But again, I don't call the hotel and say, hey, you know, I'm going to be staying with you in two weeks. Can you tell me what I'll be in? Because I want to tip the housekeeper in 327 uh, before I get there. Um, So I just think the the tipping thing is out of hand. And I think the pre-tipping thing has to stop. So with me, the buck stops here. I'm not pre-tipping anymore. I am more than happy to tip. That's not the issue. But I'm not going to tip anymore and then feel like I've been had because that's a sucker bet. Yeah, well, there you go. By the way, do you do you like anchovies on your pizza? <laughs> no, actually, I don't. 
Are like, you an anchovy guy? You know, I kind of like them once in a while. Uh, but I can tell you this, for people that don't, your little scenario uh-huh. of uh, getting the anchovy happened to somebody I know quite well. And uh, <laughs> they couldn't eat. They couldn't order a pizza from that location uh, for, I don't know if they've ever been back. Because, yeah. I mean, to her... That's the worst possible thing you could do. You could leave stuff off, you know, uh, and, and it would not be a big deal. But to have, especially if there were very many, you know, get your first bite of a nice salty anchovy and you're done mm-hmm. for the evening. So anyway, yeah, I know that's it's, a l- it's, little off the subject there, but I no, can imagine pre- really pre-tipping, for an an- pre-tipping for the anchovies is really bad. Well, lots of people have allergies. You know, they have food allergies. They order a vegetarian pizza. But, hey, you know, I don't want broccoli on it. Um, you get home and there's the broccoli all over the place. And uh, I have a friend who, who hates green bell peppers and who claims, and I, I think with some validity, that the taste of bell peppers will permeate an entire dish. Um, if you put them on pizzas and you cook the pizza a good part of the pizza will have the flavor of green bell peppers. And uh, if you don't like that flavor. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, Why? And so if he gets bell peppers, a, a, another friend who orders, you know, orders his hamburger always with pickles, lots of pickles. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody's not paying attention and the burger comes and you've got it to go and you're driving down the street and there's no pickles on the burger at all. Why, then that's a pretty big disappointment. And I'm going to suggest to you, heck, you shouldn't have to tip for good service. To those of you folks who are, did the governor not just sign a bill that's going to raise the salary to $20 for most fast food workers? If you work in a restaurant that has over 60 locations nationally in April, the, the wage is going up to 20 bucks. So enough of the excuses, you know, I mean, just pay attention. And get it right. And, um, you know, because for the people who are in small restaurants, they know how valuable each customer is. Uh, a lot of the people perhaps working in other places maybe do, maybe don't, but they need to be they need to be taught that. All right. Before we run out of time here, I want to talk about something that happened in the Atlanta airport um, just last weekend. I flew into Atlanta a day ahead of my group. I'm waiting for my group to arrive and I'm in the airport. I've rounded up a sky cap to help with uh, handling the group bags, getting them down to the motor coach and the like. So I'm standing there talking to the sky cap and he says, he says, watch this. And I watch and this lady who looks reasonably normal, she walks up to a Delta sky cap who is near a baggage carousel. Now why a sky cap would be near a baggage carousel, I don't know because they carry their stuff on the plane. Maybe um, they had something extra or maybe they were traveling with a friend or something like that waiting for them. This lady walks up to the Delta Sky, to the Delta uh, flight attendant and she says to the fl- something to the flight attendant and the sky cap is telling me, now watch this. He says, I see this here all the time. This lady's been around here for a while. The, fl- the flight attendant goes with the lady that she's been talking to to the ATM machine. She draws out some money. I don't know how much, but let's call it at least $100. We, I could see several 20s. She was, you know, 50, 75 feet away, so I couldn't see exactly. But the Delta flight attendant, this is really important because this is somebody who's part of the system. They're in airports all the time. He takes money out of the ATM, hands it to this lady. The flight attendant goes one direction, the lady goes the other direction, and the, the sky cap turns to me and says, that lady does this six or seven times a day. 
What is she doing? He says, I don't know what she tells these people, but she's telling them some kind of sob story that is getting them to give her money. And he says, I watch it all the time. I said, well, don't the police ever ask her to, to leave? Don't they ever throw her out? He says, oh, she's been thrown out several times, but she just comes back. I said, have you ever talked to her? He says, oh, yeah, I've talked to her a couple times. He said, she's, she says she makes six, $700 a day out here doing this. She can't possibly make that money any other way. Besides, like she said, it's tax-free. Wow. So um, the moral to the story is, I mean, I stood there and watched this all happen, and I couldn't believe it, and I especially couldn't believe it because it was a flight attendant. They're around airports all the time. <laughs> they know these people wow. are lurking in the shadows, but this flight, I mean, we watched the lady talk to the, the, to the flight attendant. The flight attendant left the baggage claim area, walked over to where the ATM was a couple hundred feet. I mean, we stood and watched the whole thing. So the moral to the story is when you're in an airport and somebody comes and gives you a terrible sob story about what has happened to them and how awful it is, um, you, you've, you've got to treat that with a decent amount of skepticism because a lot of these people are really, really good at convincing you that something really terrible has happened to them and that they really need your help. And every day in the airport, a half a dozen people are getting scammed by this lady who hasn't had anything happen to her. She's just taking your money. So beware. Um, you're not only looking for people who might pickpocket you or something, but you're all, when, you're, when you're in a crowded place like that, but you're also looking out for people who seem to have a story that seems very believable but if you stop and take a step back and think about it for a second, you're like, no, probably not right here, right now. Thanks for coming along. We're on a journey. Mark, uh, you've had a pretty interesting week. Why don't you give us a little bit of a recap here for our listeners? I brought a group of folks on a most unique journey, very different from other things that, uh, that my company offers our mature group travelers. Uh, this is an itinerary that started last Sunday in Atlanta, included a visit to the Jim, Jimmy Carter Presidential Library there in Atlanta. We also visited the World of Coke and did some other fun things. Um, but from there, we went to Plains, uh, Jimmy Carter's hometown. Of course, the ex-president uh, just had his 99th birthday. He's been in hospice care since February. Uh, his wife is also in hospice care. She's suffering from, uh, from dementia. She's 96. So um, the, end is, the end of the journey is in sight for both of the Carters. The interesting thing, Tom, is that um, when, when President Carter went into hospice care in February, they said, well, he has a week or two to live, mm -hmm. most likely. And now we're in October. Wow. And um, those of you who know a little bit of the backstory here know that the president and uh, Mrs. Carter, um, Rosalind Carter, <laughs> um, have been married for 77 years. So I think it's entirely possible that the ex-president has no intention of leaving this planet before his wife. Wow. Um, that's, an... <laughs> I, 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 that's to me is the only explanation of how he has been able to beat the odds, so to speak, yeah. for a considerable amount of time. I mean, he's he's pretty sick, and um, but he's he's hanging in there. I, I I think it's it's truly one of the great love stories of the century. I mean, this is a, these people have been married for three quarters of a century. It's amazing. And you 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 go to this little town of Plains, Georgia. 
Um, just to give people, to paint a little bit of a radio picture, Plains is, you know, think of a town that evolves around its town square, and that's pretty much the whole town. I mean, most of the businesses and stuff in town, except by this, the stuff that's out by the freeway off-ramp or stuff, are in this town square. And a lot of these little towns in, in South Georgia, and now we're into Alabama, um, we're in Selma. Downtown Selma's in not very good shape. Uh, maybe a third of the buildings are occupied. Some of them are falling down. Um, it doesn't look a whole lot like a lot of the places that you're used to looking at in Sacramento. We went to Andersonville Prison, which was a Civil War place that the prison was only in operation for about a year, but tens of thousands of uh, Union prisoners died there. And there's a little, little tiny town of Andersonville that's a couple of miles from where the prison's set, and it's it's basically a block and a half long. And same thing. I mean, it, it, it's it, it, there are these little tiny towns where people are clean life and you can see you know the poverty before you i mean it, they're not all the people are not poor but you can see pockets that are very different from what we see in sacramento and that's part of being bringing people tom here to what i would call the deep south i mean once you go south of of atlanta and you get into south georgia and then into alabama we're not going to mississippi on this trip but it's a whole different environment have you ever traveled here at all i have not but yeah, uh, your, your stories make me want to be there uh it it sounds immersive it it's it's so different from what we're used to in california and when you start hearing the stories of what has happened here in the past oftentimes to people of color um some of the stories are pretty horrific i mean today we visited the Rosa Parks Museum. If you ever get to Montgomery, Alabama, you have got to go to the Rosa Parks Museum. This lady was, she was phenomenal. In every, everything that moves society forward in a way, there's always a catalyst, uh, a human catalyst usually. And in this case, uh, Rosa Parks was a lady who refused, if you, if you don't know the story, uh, in Alabama, in in, in uh, uh Montgomery in 1955, she refused to give up her seat on a bus. Certain parts of the bus were refused are were reserved for white people only. Other seats on the bus, if a black person had a seat and a white person asked for it, you were expected to get up and give up your seat. One day, Ms. Parks decided that she wasn't going to stand up for a white person to take her seat. She was arrested. She went to trial. She was fined ten dollars. But what happened then was a that spurred a bus boycott in Montgomery that lasted for over a year. People organized, people of color organized ways to get around by carpooling with each other and sharing rides and things like that. And they deserted the buses. Well, a lot of the folks who rode the buses were people of color. So when they stopped riding them, the bus company, the, the, the city bus company lost thousands of dollars every day. Remember, this is back in 1955. Mm-hmm. So um, they were very effective with what they did. And it was, of course, um, that was when Martin Luther King became involved. He was here in Montgomery. Um, there's a lot of history, a tremendous amount of history, um, especially black history, but American history. We went to the Tuskegee Airfield Day 
um, where they trained the Tuskegee Airmen, the, the black airmen who went and fought in World War II. And the, the takeaway from that to me was, here were all these people who gave, um, in many cases, gave their lives or were shot down behind enemy lines um, and then came home and found out that for all their bravery and all of their fighting for their country, that they were in no better shape in the United States than they were when they had left. They were, they were not respected anymore. They had no other privileges in Alabama and Mississippi and much of the Deep South. Um, prejudice went away. Slavery went away and was replaced by segregation. You know, um, equal. We'll, we'll, we'll separate but equal. People of color are over here, and the white people are over here, and you have in the Greyhound bus depot separate bathrooms, and you have separate schools, and you have, when you ride on the bus, you have to sit in separate seats. And um, for those, I grew up in California, and I was born in 1955, so I I, I didn't experience, California is not perfect. Uh, we have a lot of issues of our own, and certainly our share of issues when it comes to people who are different from ourselves. But, gosh, I, when you come down here to Georgia and Alabama, and, and this is not to slight these people. It really is not. It's just the way things are here. And they're better than they were, but they've been uh, in this vein for hundreds of years. So it doesn't... It doesn't change overnight, if ever, I guess. Wow. What a journey. <laughs> and yeah, it, 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 thanks it really. For, and know, thanks for sharing your thoughts, Mark, because you, you get to see it right <laughs> up close. Uh, you know, I think for a lot of us, uh, we we nod and we know what you're talking about. But for a, for a moment or two, uh, we, I was pretty immersed in what you were saying. Uh, oh, I've, I almost forgot what I was doing, doing a radio show with you. And you're, hey, you're and taking me. You're taking me on this journey. It was great. I have to ask you. Uh, you have yes. 22 other folks that are uh, tagging along, and and they got to be mm-hmm. on this trip for a reason. This isn't something that you you just randomly decide to do. They, you know, they they knew what they were going to see. They just didn't realize how big it was going to be. And uh, I, I think so. What what uh, so far? What has had the biggest impact, if any? Uh, if you can actually pinpoint any one thing. I think it's the overall historical aspect of things that people of color in the South were treated so poorly. And in some cases, are things are still not equal here. They're still separate. And I would question as to whether or not they're equal. Um, and it's just, uh, it's not something... That is part of, in many, in most cases, part of our culture in California, um, and, and so again, this is I'm really not trying to take a shot at people who live or are from or have family in this area. It's just reality, um, but it doesn't mean that it can't change. But for people who live in California to come here and start absorbing this, um, the whole Jimmy Carter story is just has so many angles. And is so, so fantastic. I mean, here's a guy who you can argue that he wasn't the best president who ever served in the White House. A lot of 
unfortunate things came up during his time as president that he really couldn't control. And so for whatever reason, he won't go down in history as the most effective president, I don't believe. But I believe he will go down in history as the best man ever to serve in the White House. And maybe someday the best man or woman to ever serve in the White House. But uh, he came back to Plains and he does, they don't live in a big fancy house, Tom. They live in this little tiny nothing of a town mm-hmm. that, that they grew up in and that is their home. And the people there, you know, I mean, we had to be reminded that, of course, not everybody in Georgia or even in Plains thinks Jimmy Carter is the greatest thing that ever happened. You know, I mean, there are people who politically didn't agree with him and still don't and have never gotten past that. And I'm guessing that's probably 30, 40 percent of the population. So it's interesting to come. Um, it, it, the, the ex-president's journey and his wife's journey will probably not last much longer, but it's going to leave a huge hole in this part of the country because there are an awful lot of people who worship the ground that he walks on. You know, I mean, he's, he's taught Sunday school. He's built houses for people. He stood for people who don't have a lot of people to stand for them. So if you get the opportunity, it, it doesn't matter whether uh, Mr. Carter is still alive or not. Um, I think a journey to Plains is something that you would really enjoy, especially if you spice it up with a few of these other destinations. Um, I will make a confession here. We are taping this show on Friday night, and the reason we're taping it on Friday night is because on Saturday morning, we are going to go meet a lady who was part of that famous walk over the bridge in in Selma years and years and years ago as a little girl and then we are going to walk over that bridge so a a part of our civil rights story here in the south has yet to be and in fact as you folks are listening to this program we will be walking over that bridge so talk about living history i i'm i'm very grateful tom that uh the people who travel with me uh chose this tour and had the the financial resources to be able to come because otherwise I wouldn't be here. And uh, we, we have we have learned a lot. If you want to know about American history, then you need to visit the Deep South and, and you need to come to some of these places because until you come here and you experience them in person, you can't. It's just not possible to give it the space in your brain and and in your own journey that it that it probably deserves. If you're just tuning in for the first time, this is the Travel and Entertainment Guys, Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano. Uh, I you probably didn't hear the, why uh, why what Mark was talking about is related to travel. If you just tuned in, Mark's on the road with a group of travelers. It's the Jimmy Carter trip across plains right now in Selma. Uh, let's see, Mark, uh, you, you have something else uh, you, you'd like to add about your trip right now before we move on? I, I do. Um, we had a, a really wonderful gentleman, Clive Rainey, in, um, in Americus, Georgia, who uh, was previously the man who headed Habitat for Humanity over in Plains. And he told us a lot about Habitat and what their mission was, and then he went with us to Plains. He, he know, knows the Carters, and uh, Clive is in his late 70s, so that makes him, you know, 20 years, still the president and his wife's junior. But 
Uh, we've had some some terrific people here, uh, a wonderful step-on guide in Montgomery. You know, th- that's the advantage of traveling in a group is because when you're traveling by yourself, sometimes you can happen into some of those things. But when you're traveling in a group, if you're traveling with a decent tour operator, they will have set up some of those opportunities for you to experience, to interact with some of the people who who not only know the stories, heck, they were part of the stories. So to me, that's that's real living history. I mean, when you can come someplace like this that's just totally out of your comfort zone and total, totally out of someplace that you would norm, normally go to and only find out that it turns out to be, I suspect that the people who are on this trip will never forget the trip they made to Georgia and Alabama. We're on the road with Mark Hoffman today. He's been out on the on the road since last Sunday and uh, is wound up in, in Selma, Alabama, on a, a cross-country trip. And uh, we've covered a lot of it, Mark. Uh, final words, and let's talk about uh, our final odds and ends segment. Awesome. And I will fill you all in about uh, the walk on the Edmund Pettus Bridge um, next week, because as you listen, that's exactly what a bunch of us from Sacramento are doing. It's really interesting uh, because folks, uh, folks from the South, they all want to know, where, where, are you, where are you from? And when you say Sacramento, California, it's like, wow, what are you folks doing here? So, yeah, and, I, I bet. You know, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's really fascinating. I, I really, really, really recommend <laughs> to folks who are open-minded and yeah. love American history. There's a huge piece of it down here in the South. And you may think that you've heard it, but you have not. All right, let's talk about uh, a hotel chain here. I had a chance to stay in one of these hotels in Atlanta last Saturday night. It's the second time I've stayed in one, and there won't be a third time. Uh-oh. Um, I'm a big fan of, of mid-range hotels. I love Hilton Garden Inns. I'm a fan of most courtyards. I think you get a lot of the services that you get you know, from a full-service Hilton or a full-service Marriott at those mid-range um, hotels, and if you're like me, you're just looking for a, a clean place to put your head, why sometimes you don't need a $250 hotel room. A $150 hotel room would be just fine. For folks who are looking for something a little cheaper than that, in most cases, uh, Marriott has a brand, one of their 30 brands, is Aloft Hotels. Um, and that's the one I stayed in Atlanta, in downtown Atlanta last week, and from the outside looked very nice. On Saturday evening when I arrived, about 11.30 at night, it was uh, things were hopping. And I got my key and went upstairs. And first thing I noticed about the rooms, if you're going to stay in an aloft hotel, um, don't plan on sitting at the desk in a comfy chair. Because first of all, there was no desk. And the one chair in the room um, looked like something out of a, a kid's playroom. Um, modern. Th- there's, it's called modern furniture. Yeah, I think Spartan is the word that some people use. Oh, yeah, Spartan. Um, it, it, it's, it's, the chain is not particularly cheap. It's trying, I think, to be trendy. It, it appeals. I sense that they're trying to, to appeal to a younger demographic um, and, and people who for whom a desk and a chair in the room, just to give an example, um, is not all that important. So... Why spend the money if it's not important to the people who are staying with us with you? But I would just want to tell you, if you're a Marriott person and you're used to Marriott's or courtyards or places where there is some level of 
service and staff available to you, a loft hotels is not going to fit that that description. Um, there's virtually no service. Um, the hotel I was staying in Atlanta wasn't particularly clean. Um, I didn't think it was particularly inexpensive. Now, maybe it was inexpensive by downtown Atlanta standards on a Saturday night, um, which in downtown, usually Saturday and Sunday nights, unless there's a big event going on in a town that has a lot of business uh, hotels like Atlanta does, oftentimes those hotel rooms go empty on the weekends or a majority of them do. So they are more willing to pass them along to you at a lesser price. Um, that wasn't what was happening at this particular hotel. Again, I don't know how busy it was in Atlanta, but if you're thinking, if you're a Marriott person or a Hilton person or a full-service hotel person, and you see a loft hotels come up and you think, wow, that's kind of conveniently located and that would be good. They don't have restaurants, so they're not full-service. So make sure that if you're you're going to be getting your meals, that you've got some place nearby that you that you like. We took people to dinner at Mary Max in Atlanta, which if you've been there, you know that that's a really, really, really popular old-style restaurant in Atlanta. But anyways, a loft hotels gets a failing grade uh, from this travel guy. I don't recommend it, particularly if you are a business traveler and you enjoy hotels that provide a level of service. Well, there you go. All right. That's a great uh, first-person review of a loft. Yeah. I heard them for the first time. They were part of the Sheridan SPG thing early on in the when they marched them out, it was all kind of la-di-da, and exactly right. They were catering to a, a younger crowd and a more modern, sleek, uncomfortable look. Hey, I think it's about time to go away. It is, it is. Thank you to everyone for joining us. I'm in Alabama. Be back in Sacramento next week. And in the meantime, you all dance like nobody's watching. Thanks for joining us, my friends. See you next time here on The Travel Guys. Yeah.